Thanks so much for a chance to join together in this room and uh, to be uh, with each other online uh, as we enter into your word now. We want to hear from you, God, so get me out of the way and speak in my place. We want this to be an extension of our worship of you. We want to be prepared uh, from what we read to live a life on your rails and live life for you and with you. So would you do that with us now and uh, keep us, God, uh, in, your, uh, in your grip, uh, and, and show us your life the way you want us to live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I had a great week. Anybody else have a great week? I had like an especially great week because I was on vacation last week. And uh, Eleanor has started a new job, so we, she doesn't have as much vacation as I do. And so I, I actually got to go on vacation uh, with a bunch of guys out in the woods of Alabama. We played the Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail. And if you don't like golf, you would have really hated it. But if you like golf, it was really fun. Uh, we... Uh, we had a great time driving places, and this one particular day, uh, we had to drive to a part of Alabama, uh, which is where the, the courses were, uh, that I've never been to, which is basically every part of Alabama. Uh, so we had to punch in uh, the, the, the address of this particular golf course on the GPS on my friend Don's truck, and, uh, and, and we started driving. We got into the middle of the state of Alabama. Uh, I, I didn't hear banjos or anything, but it was, it was deep. You know what I'm talking about? It was like way in there, and, uh, and, and we're trying to figure out, you know, where's the main road, where's the main road? Well, it came up on our GPS that we were going to turn in 500 feet. And we looked down the road, and there's nowhere to turn. There's no turns. And, uh, and so we, we finally get 500 feet down the road, and, and there is a, a little bit of like a driveway to the right, and then there is this dirt road, like barely a truck wide, to the left. And this GPS is insisting that we go down that road. So we had a debate. Is this a good idea? Well, here, here's the problem. We didn't really know where we were. Uh, we, we didn't know, you know, we, we had to be at a certain place at a certain time. And so it wasn't like we could backtrack to where we started. So we all made the decision that we're, we're doing this, and we started down this dirt road. Now, most of us were hoping that the dirt road was only going to be, you know, a mile long, and it would end up on another highway that was just behind these woods. Not so much. That's not what happened. Uh, we got down the road. We were going about 10 or 15 miles an hour. It's supposed to be a shortcut, by the way. It was the shortest route to this place. Anybody seen that on your GPS, the shortest route? Uh, No, it wasn't short. It was long uh, because we had to go 10 miles an hour because we were in the woods of Alabama. Uh, I knew we were in the woods because it finally cleared out a little bit up the road. We were in a logging camp. Uh, We drove up next to this semi that had all these trees on the back of his, and this guy rolled down his window, and he just looked at us with a look of, what in the world are you guys doing back here? in your shiny pick em up trucks. Uh, so we had a conversation with him. We kept going. And it was another, you know, uh, 30, 40 minutes down the road. We just kept going down this road. And, and, and after a while, like, it's funny. Who, who's ever been in a situation like this? Ha, 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 it's going to be a great story. Ha, 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 it's funny. But around the 20 or 30 minute mark, I'm starting to get worried. No cell service, right? We have very limited supplies, water and food, right? We can't turn the truck around. The road's too narrow. All right, if, if something goes horribly wrong, someone's got to hike out of here. This is like the makings of a reality show, right? You know, eight golfers alone in the woods. I don't know. Um, finally, the road turned and buckled enough that we finally made it to a highway. We finally made it to the golf course. Everything was fine. But if you ask the men in that party, uh, to a man, nobody wants to go down that road ever 
again. There's got to be a better way to get there. Okay, now go to your life. Anybody ever been down a road that you say now, having been down it, I'm never, by the grace of God, going down that road again? You know what I'm talking about. Mistakes you've made, choices you thought, well, I guess this is where we're going. And, and, and you know, at the, at the beginning, it seemed like a lot of fun, and it'll be fun, and it'll probably just be over. But then it turned into what it was, which was tough and difficult and challenging. And it was a, it was a lesson you learned, uh, a circumstance that left you saying, nah, by the grace of God, I'm not doing that again. Now, let's talk about roads. The Bible says that there's a wide road that leads to destruction. Maybe that's that. Uh, that dirt road or that circumstance in your life that you're like, I'm not doing that again. Uh, And then there's a narrow road that leads to life, right? And God wants us to live this life. He says, Jesus said this about himself, uh, that I am the way. There's this way that we're meant to go in life, this narrow road that we're meant to travel. And and, uh, we learn about the wide road of destruction and we learn to stay away from it uh, so that we can stay on these rails that God has designed. The, the, the purpose of our lives is to live this life in, in his steps and in, in his design so that we honor him and have the best life that he can give us, right? And every morning we get together here on Sundays, uh, that's what I'm trying to preach you. I'm trying to preach the way. I'm trying to show you the rails. We're trying to discern from Scripture that this is the way we go, not those ways, not Little Tom Road, which was the name of that dirt road, right? We go this way. And today, that's what this particular piece of scripture in Titus is about. Now, Titus opens the book, of, or excuse me, Paul opens the book of Titus, or his letter to Titus, and he, he says some nice things about Titus, and then he gets right into brass tacks. He says, hey, Titus, we've got to get some leaders up in these churches there in Crete, where Titus was from. You've got to designate these guys that are called elders, they're overseers, and, and they're meant to lead the churches. And they're meant to lead the churches into truth, on the rails, and away from the falsehoods that could keep us from being a part of the Christ life as it's meant to be. And that's what he's going to cover today. Today we're going to talk about how we don't. How we don't. Lots of messages we talk about how we do, but in these particular verses we're going to find out how we don't. We're going to see three ways that we don't in this Christian life, and we're going to start here in verse 10. We're going to try to answer this question. It's horrible English, but just try to follow with me. How do we make sure that we don't do what we don't? I don't even, I'm not sure what I meant when I said that, but we don't want to do the things that we don't. Okay, is everybody with me on that? And the first thing we're going to see is here in verse 10, watch out for wrong messages. If we want to stay away from the things that we don't do, we're going to have to be very discerning when it comes to the messages that flood into our minds uh, about how to follow Jesus Christ. We are in uh, uh, an information inundated society. Isn't that true? I mean, you've got more computing power in the palm of your hands now than people had in an entire room's in the 1970s. And that, that thing is just constantly tweeting at you, Facebooking at you. There's ideas uh, coming from your radios and your televisions. There's all these, these, these wise people, purported wise people, saying, here's how you live your life. Now, the, the biggest sections in every one of our bookstores is the self-help section. Here's how you do life. Here's how you succeed in life. Uh, there was messages back at the time of Titus, uh, information, false information, uh, unfortunately, that was seeping into the church. And Paul was telling, hey, Titus, you've got to be careful about wrong messages. Look what it says in verse 10. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, 
especially those of the circumcision part. Now, anytime you see the word for, let's just do some Bible study methods here. Anytime you see the word for in the Bible, like if you drop in and you're just kind of in the middle of a chapter and you're like for, and the word is for or therefore, uh, those words always say, hey, let's go back because these are linking words, therefore and for. So let's go back to verse nine and let's, let's read what we read last week. Verse nine says this, he, an elder or an overseer must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. Stand on the rails so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also be able to rebuke those who contradict it. So he's talking about, remember we said this last week, every one of us in here, even if you don't have the actual label and station here in our church as elder or pastor, everybody in here is someone's elder or pastor. Everybody in here has been given influence, whether it's your kids or your friends, you've been given spiritual influence over somebody. And so you have this, this responsibility as an agent of Christ, an ambassador of Christ, to be someone who is uh, understanding what sound doctrine is and able to, to discern what unsound doctrine is and, and rebuke it when you hear it. In this particular culture in Crete, here's the reason why that was so important. Verse 10 again. Because there are many who are insubordinate. That word means rebellious if you're taking notes. That, that means it, it's, it's like, uh, who's, anybody got a, uh, children? Anybody got a anybody parented in here? then you know what insubordination is, right? You've had your children know that they're supposed to do this at this time, this way, and they have chosen it not. It is part of growing up human, okay? They're insubordinate, they're rebellious. So there are people in the churches that uh, Titus is pastoring who know the truth, but are just saying, no, no thank you, and they're rebelling against the, the, the things that were taught by their leaders. They're also empty talkers. Empty talkers. Mataya Logai. Logo, logo, whatever. It's Greek. It's hard to say. But it basically means that they're shooting from the hip. They're talking out of parts of their anatomy that they shouldn't be. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, we do this all the time as humans. Humans love to be right. Who likes to be right out there? Even if you're not sure, you're going to fake like you're right. And you'll just, you'll just play it off. Oh, yeah, this is exactly how it is. Blah, 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 right? There's a, there's a new sheriff in town, though. It's called Google. It's on your phones. It's the great argument settler, right? Like I was in the car the other day with my friend Don and another guy. And it wasn't an argument. We were just talking about, hey, when is daylight savings time? I love me some daylight savings time. It's a free hour. It's like an hour that's not even on your calendar. It doesn't even show up on your watch. You can do whatever you want with it. Like stay on the rails. But you know what I'm saying, right? So I usually sleep with that extra hour. And uh, so I'm always looking forward to when, you know, fall back comes. And I was like, when is that? And I thought it was next week. And one of the guys in the truck thought it was like later in November. And so out came Google, right? And everybody was kind of like, no, it's this week. No, it's that week. No, it's November 1st. If you're circling your dates, November 1st, extra hour. But sometimes we don't have Google or we didn't always have Google. And people, man, people will play off. Who's ever messed up lyrics in a song? Come on, everybody of us, you know, uh, uh, we're, we're just, you know, uh, uh, there's so many going through my head. I'm not going to be able to say any of them. But uh, um, my, my, my daughter thought that we got the beat by the Go-Go's. She thought that was Daytona Beach. Daytona Beach. <laughs> and she was just like, yeah, man, what a great song about Daytona Beach. No, it's not about that at all. But we just play it off because we're shooting from the hips. We heard it. We heard it somewhere. We thought, we, you know, we, hey, we read it online because everybody knows that the, you know, the Internet never lies. And so off we go with these, these empty ideas and we become empty talkers. And, and then what happens, if we get so sold out by the things that we think, then we become deceivers. We, we, we basically uh, perpetuate a lie. 
Anybody ever use duct tape? I, I said duct tape last night, and people like, like quack, quack, duct? No, duct tape, okay? Anybody ever use this? You know, they did a study on this in 1998, like a scientific study. A guy named Max Sherman uh, set up a bunch of ducts uh, that, you know, uh, were, were leaking and things like that. And he used 30 different kinds of sealants or sealers, products that were available. And one of them was duct tape, okay? And he, he tested them over like a three or four month period to see which one was the best. And in every test that he did, duct tape was found to be the ab- absolute worst product that you can use on ducts. Now, there are so many other things that you can use duct tape for, and we all use it for that, right? Like, I, I, I was a pastor of a, of a youth group, and, and they would make wallets and hats and, like, clothing out of duct tape. They were incredibly creative with this stuff. But, but here's what this study found out. Just don't use it on your ducts. Because it's lousy for that. But what's the name of the product? It's called duct tape. Everybody thinks, well, this would be great on ducts because that's its name. No, it's the worst thing you can use on your ducts because it doesn't work. Same thing. When you get ideas, when, when something is perpetuated and you're like, well, that's the truth, then you have the danger of becoming someone who leads other people in wrong thinking, wrong messages. We've got to be aware of that. Now, he labels it specifically here, Paul does, as to what's happening there in Crete. He says uh, there's a, especially a group in Crete uh, that's known as the circumcision party. Circumcision is always kind of a, a dicey thing to talk about in church. But basically, all, all, it, all it's referring to is the fact that there was a, a group of people in that day and age uh, that were uh, convinced that if you wanted to be a Christian, you had to be Jewish first. So if you were a Gentile, you had to be circumcised, and then you could be a Christian. You know, if, if you were going to be a Christian and continue in this Christian life, you were going to have to adopt all of the, the feasts and the, and the holy days of the Jews. And you were going to have to be Jewish to be a Christian. And this was happening in the in the church in Crete. We know in, uh, in Acts chapter 2 when, when Peter comes down out of the upper room and starts preaching that there were members of that crowd who were from Crete. You can look at the list. There's a long list of, of uh, uh, you know, nationalities or whatever that were there present. And maybe it was these Cretans who came back, heard the gospel first, and carried with them the idea uh, as, as you, know, uh, you know, Jewish Cretans that you have to be Jewish in order to be Christian. And Paul says, watch out for these guys. We, have, uh, we don't have necessarily a Jewish contingency, although there are some churches out there uh, who have uh, taken an extreme stance in this. You know, if you've ever heard of a Messianic congregation, there's different kinds of those congregations. There are some that are, uh, who are more um, moderate in their you know, leanings towards Jewish stuff. But there are some who say, hey, listen, if you're not acting Jewish, you're not truly Christian. I've had conversations with them, uh, and, and they were riveting. But... Uh, um, this isn't so much a problem for today, but there is a huge problem for today. Can I share with you what it is? It's the gospel plus idea. The gospel plus. Here's what the gospel is. If you're new to church and you're kind of new to the Jesus thing, here's the basic deal. That's what Christians believe. Christians believe that everybody is created by God for God. And that sin, which is what God has enabled us to do by our own free will, sin is what separates us from God. It's what uh, you know, leads us to destruction. Uh, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, all right? And so sin is what, what spiritually kills us and keeps us from a relationship with God. And so religions have been popping up all over the world, whatever their version of God is. Most religions are all about how man can work his way back into the, into the, you know, the, the pleasure of God. And, and, and God and he can be reconciled by their actions and by their choices. Do this, don't do that, five pillars this, 
walk around this, you know, pray this direction, blah, 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 okay? But, but here's what the Christian message is. The Christian message is pretty simple. You can't do anything to bridge the gap between you and a holy God. There's no way that you can dress this up enough that it's going to be worthy of God. God has to do something on our behalf, and he's done it. That's why you got all these crosses on the top of churches. That's why the cross is hanging around the necks of people. It's this instrument of uh, execution from the, from the you know, first century. But we honor it because it's where our Savior, Jesus, died and became the propitiation. It's the big legal word or, or, or uh, theological word. But it just means basically he was our stand-in. He took our punishment for us. And he paid the price for our sins. So that uh, we would never try to fix ourselves. We would just look to him to be our fixer. That's why we call Jesus our Savior and our Lord. So it, uh, it's kind of summarized by Paul in Ephesians. It says, listen, it's by grace, the gift of God, through faith, you just believing in what Jesus did on the cross, that you and I are saved. It's not about our works. So that none of us can boast. But in, in churches throughout the 2,000 years of Christian her- history, there has been this hard slant you know, like, like the alignment of your car is completely out, and, and there's this, just this pull towards this ditch that is legalism. It's gospel plus. It's do all these things on top of, maybe it's not Jewish stuff, but on top of all these things, or top of the gospel, you do all these things so that you know for sure that you're a Christian. And it's just not part of our message. It's what Paul's speaking against here. Legalism, in this particular case, in the form of the the Judaizers, the circumcision party. This is what he says about them, verse 11. He says, they've got to be silenced. You know what this word is in Greek? It's muzzled. It's like taking an animal and grabbing them by the jaws and just holding their mouths. Now, don't do that with other people. I think that's a felon. I don't, I don't think you're supposed to do that. Don't grab their lips and, like, you know, hold on to them. But, but it's basically saying, hey, don't, don't, don't treat this lightly. When, when you hear error, there has to be a reaction to that error. There has to be, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not the gospel. That's not the truth. We can still love each other, and we can disagree on this subject, but, but don't, don't put this extra stuff on what we know to be grace by faith. He says, these things got to be silenced. Since these teachers, these, these empty talkers and deceivers, they're upsetting whole families. Basically, here's what he means. There would be people in, in family groups in these churches in Crete who would hear these ideas, these messages, these false theologies, on legalism, and they'd say, well, that's the way it's supposed to be. And then there would be people in those families who would be like, no, that's not how it's supposed to be. And families would be divided against themselves, within themselves, in these theological disagreements. And he says, listen, they're upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain. We'll get to that in a little bit. What they ought not to teach. They're, they're not teaching the rails. They're not teaching the grace of God. Like I said, legalism is a pretty insidious thing. Uh, not just because it's wrong, it is, but because the only two results that you can have from legalism are just, well, rooted in humanity and bad. Now, for a lot of people who kind of buy into the legalistic thing, who say it's grace plus, like you've you, you got to have faith in Jesus and all these other, but you've got to do this too. Uh, here's what they're doing. They're starting to kind of, instead of having God as their their, uh, their template as, as, their, as their standard that they see themselves against, they see themselves as rated against the others who either are or are not keeping those rules in the gospel plus system they've created. 
So they, they either feel better compared to somebody else or worse. And most of the time what happens is that people, like the Pharisees in the Gospels, if you remember them, they get really good at keeping all the rules. And so they kind of come up here on this high perch and they're like, woo, woo, yeah, I am knocking it out up here. And, and, and they can't help because they're so high up, they can't help but look what? Down on everybody else who isn't keeping the rules. I have longer quiet times than you. I pray longer. Uh, my, my, my speech is seasoned with more. And, and listen, are any of those things wrong? No, have, the, have, have like all day, all night, all year quiet times. Go for it. It says in the Psalms that we're to meditate on his word day and night. Go for it. Uh, is it wrong to, to pray longer? No, pray long. Is it wrong to season your speech with spiritual talk? No, just don't be proud of it. And don't think that you're holier than everybody else. That, because you, th- this is what happens when you put gospel plus stuff in place. It just puffs up or it crushes. It crushes people. Yeah. I know it works, so here we go. You know, there's lots of Christians, this is how they feel. And it's because they have a wrong understanding of what it is to be a Christian. They don't understand that they've been miraculously saved by the grace of Jesus Christ and that they are no longer seen as this. They're not failures. They're, they're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But because they come from a system or they've been brought up in a system that says unless you keep X, Y, and Z rules, uh, you're not a Christian or a good enough Christian then they just spend their lives just feeling like I'm not a good enough Christian. And it, and it keeps them from ever feeling like they can grow or be useful in the kingdom of God. Oh, you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. Have you met Jesus? He's the, he's the, the great eraser. He wipes out everything that you've done. And if you've been saved by grace, you are a child of the king. Not elevated above anybody else and certainly not below anybody else. You are on par because of the presence of Holy Spirit in your life. And there's no up or down. There's no greater than or lesser than. There are just those who are the benefactors of God's grace. Amen? Well, we live in worlds where this isn't taught. I grew up in an angry Baptist church. It was all about haircuts and not wearing jeans. Pastors got up in the in the pulpit and they just it was they just preached vitriol. It was just anger. And it was almost always about what was wrong with society. And listen, there are so many ills in society. Do we want to start that? Let's just start. We, we could go for hours on what's wrong with society. And I'm not saying that we ignore the ills of our culture. But there's something about a church service where you never get the grace of Jesus Christ mentioned that can just kind of get you off track, off the rails of what it is that we truly believe. Paul says to Titus, amen, we've got to stop this. We've got to keep this from, from polluting the gospel that we've, we've, we've given to Crete. We've got to watch out for wrong messages. We've also got to watch out for wrong motives. We've got to look at the people who are, are teaching things, and we've got to say, hey, wait a minute. I've got to run a check. Are you, are you doing this for the right reasons? So, uh, this, this, I'll basically break it into two things. One is gain. Look at what it says here again in verse 11. They must be silenced, these 
deceivers and empty talkers since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for what? For shameful gain. I'm so glad this doesn't happen anymore. Oh, it's so great to live in a day and age where there's no pastors or anybody, nobody's on TV trying to get our money. Isn't that great that we have been saved from that? If you're new, my, my second language is sarcasm, and that was, that was heavy with it. Because we still live in an age where, where, where people who get up in the name of Jesus uh, get up solely so that they can get the, you know, the, the G6 or whatever it is, right? They just want the next size jet. And, and they actually preach this as part of their theology. They say, listen, if we're, if we're believers, then God obviously wants to prosper us. It's called prosperity theology. And, 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 and this is what they preach. Now, most of us, we, we could tell, you know, with, with some people right away, oh, this is not, you know, who I want to listen to. But here's, here's the other thing that can happen. Sometimes it's not money. Sometimes shameful gain uh, when someone's preaching is so that they can get some shine for themselves. And you got to be careful about that, too. Because if someone starts preaching on behalf of Jesus and it's all about them and not him, well, then they're going to eventually lead you into error because they already are in error. He says they must be silenced because they're working towards shameful gain. We, listen, around here, we're not, we're not as pastors trying to get rich. I'll, I'll never ask for a raise. I've been given them. Thank you very much. I'm grateful to our elders for providing raises, just like hopefully the rest of you get in your jobs. But I've never asked one, and I never will. And I don't want people on our staff asking for one. If you're in here, don't. Why? Because this is ministry. We're not doing this for the money. People have come to me before and said, hey, how much, how much for you to do a wedding for us? Nothing. There's no, like, fee scale. If you want to rent our buildings, we've got to turn on the lights and stuff. You've got to pay for that. But, like, if you want a pastor to come and serve you, it doesn't cost you anything. Many of you have, by, you know, grace chosen to, you know, bless pastors and, and thank them for being involved or pay for their gas, whatever, that's totally fine. But you will never sign a contract here at our church that says, in order for a pastor to perform his pastoral duties, you've got to reach his palms. It's just not how we roll. You guys give, we do ministry, we pay our team, and whatever God gives us is what we do. Now, be generous. That's, that's part of Scripture. Everybody's like, great, we don't have to, awesome. Where's the plate? I'll take it back. Well, there's a, there's a verse in the scripture that says, don't muzzle the ox. We could talk about that some other day. But certainly, don't ever, don't ever follow a guy who's in it for himself, who's in it for the money, who's in it for gain. Pray that I'm never that guy. And let's do this thing on the rails. Amen? Now, the, the second thing he says is, is you've got to watch out for Ron Motis because sometimes people are just trying to, trying to teach garbage. Look, this is what he says next. Verse 12, he says, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own said, Cretans are all, always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. This is actually attributed to a Cretan philosopher named Epimenides. Everybody say Epimenides. Yeah, that was hard for me too. And, uh, and he's a Cretan, all right? He's from Crete. So this first line kind of has me confused. Cretans, including himself, are always liars. Do I, do I keep listening? I don't know. I mean, are you telling me the truth? I have no idea. <laughs> Just think about it. But he says, listen, our culture is full of evil beasts. And then this last one I think is most damning. He says, we're lazy gluttons. We don't want to do anything and we want to have everything. That sounds familiar. What country in the world is full of liars and evil beasts and lazy gluttons? Is there one? I don't know. How about ours? 
I mean, like, I'm not that way. Well, good, if you're not that way. Do, do you think our culture is a little entitled? Do you think our culture has some evil in it? Yeah, now, here, here's what Paul says next. He says this. He says, this testimony is true. And some people read that and are like, man, Paul hates Cretans. He's like a bigot. He's got something out. He's out for the Cretans. No, he's just telling the truth. And listen, if you're going to be the, the, the purveyor of God's gospel in a culture, you've got to understand what you're working with. You've got you to understand. In, in America, there are roadblocks to the gospel being heard. And for us, it's a lot like the Cretans. We like entitlement. We, like, we want the gospel to be all about us. Because we're Americans and we're all about us. I was in China. <laughs> I was in China about 20, 20 years ago now. I can't believe time's going so fast. But I was over there and uh, uh, we were trying to share the gospel on college campuses there. And I just went and, and did a simple thing. I just tried to order some food at KFC. There was a KFC there. And I was kind of tired of Chinese food. Although the best Chinese food I've ever had is in China, just so you know. But uh, <laughs> I went to KFC one day and I, I, I stood in what I thought was a line. Because in America, that's what we do. We get behind the cash register and everybody waits and who's next and I'll help you. Okay. But it, it took me like, you know, six or seven Chinese people just walking in front of me to realize there's no lines in China. It is, uh, you know, order or be ordered before. It is, it is like every man for himself. And I actually had to box out, you know, this, 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 this Chinese dude so I could get my order in. And I thought maybe it was because I was the white guy, right? You know, they just don't like the white guys. No, they were doing it to each other too. And there's no, I think that's a flaw in the Chinese culture. I'm just being honest with you. I think that's a problem. <laughs> I, but, but listen, I love Chinese people. I want them to know the gospel. But, you know, if I ever ask people to line up so they could hear the gospel, that's not going to make sense in China. There's no such thing as a line. <laughs> so I've got to know that about who I'm dealing with. And Paul's just trying to let Titus know, here's who you're dealing with. I heard it from a prophet, that they're liars and evil beasts and lazy gluttons. So listen, you're going to have to be careful because they are going to be extra prone to error. Therefore, rebuke them sharply when they get the wrong message, when they have the wrong motives, when they're preaching garbage so that they may be... This is really huge. This is kind of a sidebar. But when we rebuke as Christians, it's not so that we can win an argument. It's not so that we can be right and show them to be wrong. When we correct somebody in the faith, it's so that they can be won back to, to the sound truth of the faith. Does everybody see that? Rebuke them sharply so that you can win and be able to go on Facebook and say, I totally talked down this person and I won the... No, do it so that they can believe and know the truth and be on the rails. He goes on and he says this in verse 14. He says, help them not to devote themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. Basically, they had taken the, the Jewish uh, you know, statute of laws and they had added some extra things that they just you know, thought were good. Some, some extra stuff that just, you know, maybe they read it online or they heard it from somebody else. And it's just, they, they were making some stuff up. They were empty talkers, speaking from that hip again, all right? Shooting from the hip. Or they were listening to whatever the other people say. Do you see that there? It says... Uh, help them to stay away from Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn them away from truth. Uh, people have this incredible... We give people power to lead us away from truth sometimes. Uh, I've told you this before, but in my house, uh, my daughter is 18 months older, or younger, excuse me, than my uh, uh, second oldest son, but she has been his third parent his entire life. And I've had to constantly tell Cooper, hey, Coop, she's not the boss of you. You don't have to do what she says. She's not in charge. But as soon as I tell him that, she'll say, him to, she, she, um, Coop, go do the dishes. And he'll get up and go do And so it's just been this way his whole life. 
She came home from college, from college for the first time a couple weeks ago. It happened again. She's 18. He's almost 20. I asked her to go take the garbage out. She's just home for a weekend. She hasn't done anything around the house for a while. I'm paying for college. Go take the garbage out. Just one garbage can. Come on. And she's looking at her phone, doesn't even look up. Sees Cooper, walks through the room, says, Cooper, go get the garbage. And he starts going. I'm like right there. I'm like, Coop, stop. You, up. Garbage, out. But this is what we do. This is why I'm always telling you, don't follow the man or the woman. Follow God. I pray that it never happens on this stage, that I get up and ever lead anybody away from the rails. But if I do, everybody get out of here or throw me out. Probably do that first. But get me out of here because you don't follow me. We follow God. Paul was clear about this in his letter to the Philippians. Let me read you what he says there. He's talking about these Judaizers again, and he's talking about all these gospel plus ideas and all these falsehoods that people hear from other men. And he says this in in Philippians chapter 3, verse 2. He says, look out for those dogs. Uh, Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. This is just another title or moniker that he gives to the circumcision group. To all those who would require you to be circumcised as Gentiles, to be Jewish before you're Christian. This is what he says about them. He says, verse 3, For we are, and I would put this word in there, I'm not rewriting scripture, but just so it's clear to us, we are the true circumcision. Because we have accepted uh, grace by faith, and we've rejected the idea that works can can improve us or or make us better than each other. Because we've done that, we're we're the true followers. We're the true children of God. Because we worship by the Spirit of God, and we glory in Christ Jesus and what he's done, and we put no confidence in the flesh. It's not about our works. Now he goes on and he says this. This is some of my favorite verses that Paul ever wrote. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. We want to go report card? I got mine right here. Let's do it. He says, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I got more. He says this. Verse 5. Circumcised on the eighth day. Check. Of the people of Israel. I was born a Jew. Check. Of the tribe of Benjamin. I was like in the higher caste of, of, of Jewish tribes. Check. A Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. I went to graduate school to be Jewish. He goes on and he says this. He says, as to zeal, you want to talk about someone who is passionate about the law and the works that it required? I started killing people who didn't follow it. As to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. I did it all. But this is what he says. But whatever gain I had from all those works, I counted as loss. Why? For the sake of Jesus Christ. I found the truth. It's grace and faith and not works. He goes on, he says this, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as, what's it say? Rubbish. It's trash. In order that I might gain Christ. Legalism comes in all kinds of forms. And I'm not trying to start fights with people. But you need to be able to sniff what is gospel plus. And you need to be able to say, that's just some holier works trash. You're just trying to make yourself holier than me. You might not know that's what you're doing, but that's what you're doing. You're requiring the things of, of, of me 
in your mind and, and, and you're doing it because you don't think the gospel's enough. Like when I, just, and sometimes it can be real simple things. When I was in Texas, this diet came out. It was in a Christian book. And I, listen, I'm not saying every Christian book's bad. Please read Christian books. A lot of them are good. But if you ever read something in a Christian book and think, well, that's what the gospel's all about. This Christian book said you had to, you had to eat like uh, this, this chapter in Ezekiel, I think it was. You had to eat like the Israelites were struct, instructed, instructed to do in, in Ezekiel. And so they had this Ezekiel diet. You still can buy Ezekiel bread, right? Anybody ever had it? It's good. It's delicious. I like that stuff. But the rest of it was like roots and nuts and bugs and all this stuff. And I was like, I like tacos. Does anybody else like tacos? I mean, those are good, right? And so, but there was, this, there was this contingency in our church that said, hey, unless you do it this way, you're not a real Christian. And I was like, well, that sounds like rubbish to me. Let's throw that out. I grew up, like I told you, in an angry Baptist church. I thought I was done with that. But when I came here to Bay Life, the first couple of months I was here, I got this sweet card in the mail. It was sweet because it had 300 bucks to men's warehouse in it. 300 bucks. I was like, wow, that's like the nicest gift I've ever been given. You know, I was like, so, but then I read the card. And the card said, uh, Pastor Mark, please take this money and use it to buy yourself a proper suit, a nice shirt, and a good tie so that when you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, you look the part. Yeah. And my whole thing about coming here was that I didn't have to wear a proper suit, <laughs> a nice shirt, and a, and a good tie, right? Now, okay, now listen. Can you go to church and wear a proper shirt and a nice uh, shirt and a, and, a, and a nice tie? Absolutely. There's brothers and sisters doing that right now here in our community, around our country. Am I down on suits? Some of you wear them every day to work. I'm sorry, but, but you do. Is, are suits sin? No, but if you impute some form of righteousness to anything that adorns your outer exterior, hey, slow down, cowboy. God doesn't look at the outside. He looks at the heart. Ladies, don't be dressing yourselves up to have some kind of earthly value. Just know that your value is given to you by the presence of Christ in your life. That's what the scripture teaches. It's not how we look. It's who we are in Christ. So if someone says to you, cut your hair this length. I mean, I, I went to churches that said if your hair touched your collar, you were in, somehow in sin. And I lived in the age of the mullet. Come on. You know, business in front, party in the back, man. It's not about our appearance. So those kinds of things are rubbish. This, this, listen, there's all kinds of competition. Uh, it's, like, it's like the holy war. And it's not a holy war, but it's like people trying to be more spiritual than the next person. And, and when I was growing up, it was like, how long was your quiet time today? Like a certain amount of minutes was somehow more spiritual than another amount of minutes. 15, you didn't quite get to the Holy Spirit. 16, oh, you met him. He was there, right? And some people, they would say, did you have your quiet time today? And, and, and if I hadn't had my quiet time yet that day, or, hey, guess what? Your pastor doesn't have a quiet time every day. <gasps> he hates God. No, he doesn't. But sometimes he just doesn't have a quiet time. And so, I do it sometimes on purpose because I don't want to ever think that me being in the word of God on some kind of, you know, absolute legalistic have to be thing is, is somehow making me holier or less holy. I don't want that to be a part of this thing. So do I want you to have quiet times? Are quiet times wrong? They're, they're talked about in the scriptures. Spend time with God. Meditate on his word day and night. Absolutely. But don't ever use it as a bar to say, I'm holy, you're not. Because it's not meant for that. It's meant to draw you closer to God, not make you better than others. How about this one? 
I had to preach at a... How about this one? I got to preach at a church, and I was instructed. It was my dad's funeral. I was instructed that if you want to preach in this church, you've got to use the King James funeral. King's James funeral. King James, King, King, King James Version. Now, do, am I against the King James Version? No, it's, it's all any of us had for like, you know, uh, you know, a long part of our lives. They didn't have all these different versions. But when you start saying, and this is, this is why people say, God, like it, we get so sideways. It's on stupid stuff as Christians. The Bible was written in Greek, Hebrew, and some Aramaic. English is just this, we're doing our best with what we got to translate what we were given. All right? And so are there better, more closely, you know, yeah, absolutely. And we, Do I have my favorite version? It's the ESV. That's mine. Okay. But if you think the King James Version is somehow more inspired than some ever, and then you, 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 you refuse to let anybody else, you know, use it. Oh, come on. That's just, that's not even sophisticated. Rubbish. We've got to watch out for wrong messages, wrong motives. And then the final thing, if we can keep skipping, I know I keep doing this to you. Keep going. Yeah, those are good verses. Watch out for wrong actions. Watch out for wrong actions. Look what it says in this as we finish up. To the pure, all things are pure, Paul says to Titus. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Here, here's what that means. It's such a great verse. It's, in fact, if you wanted to circle a verse for this morning, that's a good one. Because it's a great reminder to wake up to every morning. Here's the deal. You can wake up every morning and, and you can spend time with God and pray and ask, and God, put me on the rails. Help me to be clear about you and your purposes for my life. And then just lead me through this day. That, that's how we should live our lives. Pure. And when, when you're pure, basically he's saying, all things that you do are pure. One of, one of my profs got up uh, in my class in, in, in undergrad work at, at Moody Bible Institute, and he said this to me. He says, you want to know what the will of God is for your life? The will of God for your life is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then do whatever you want. And all these 18, 19-year-old kids in this class heard the last part, right? The will of God for me is to do whatever I want. Woohoo! Right? And, we, and, and so he knew that that's probably what we were doing. He said, no, 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 no. Don't forget the first part. The will of God for you is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, with everything you've got. If you are calibrated, if you are pure and seeking God, and then whatever you do after that is going to be what God wants. You doing whatever you want is going to be what God wants because you started with him. Do you, you get the point? Now, conversely, he says, if you're defiled and unbelieving, then everything you do is impure. Nothing is pure. And here's what that means. If I get up as a pastor and I have as my motivation in preaching to you shameful gain, more money, more power, more prestige, then I can stand up and I can knock the gospel out of the park. I can preach the greatest message that ever has been preached. People can come to Christ left and right, but it will still be an impure act. Why? Because I started from an impure place. Are you with me? Now, God is, we've talked about that before. God is in the business of trumping our impurities all over the place. We'll start with the worst motives and he'll use it for his glory. Praise be to God. But that does not excuse us from doing things with impure motives because eventually those things are gonna lead to our ruin and the ruin of others. Singers can get up on stage like our choir's done. I pray none of them did this morning. I trust they didn't. But you can get up on stage and sing the praises of God beautifully. Every note, nailing it. But if you're up there because you didn't make the final cut for American Idol and this is your chance to shine 
and you're singing so that the glory comes to you and so that people come up to you after and say, man, that was a beautiful song. And you're like, yes, it was. Dang straight. And you sit in that chair. Well, then that's impure. And you've, you've done an impure thing with impure motives and it's ruined it on some level. Are you with me? Comes back void. He says their minds and their, their consciences, they're defiled. He goes on and he says this, verse 16. They profess to know God. But they deny him by the works. They betray them, or they betray God by how they live, the things that they do. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. Wow. That's kind of clear. But here's what Paul's saying. Hey, listen, don't follow someone who talks a good game and then walks something else. Don't follow someone who, who says all these things, and then uh, as soon as you know, the lights go down and, and everybody leaves, he's a different person. Now, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying. I can tell you that. I'm seeking honor, God. And, and I, I, even in my imperfections, I trust that that's enough, that I'm preaching you for the right reasons. I'm, I'm doing this job for the right reasons. That's, that's all I wake up and try to do. That's all. You, listen, you're somebody else's elder. You're someone's overseer. You've got to match up your talk with your walk. Because the walk, which, which was going to speak louder, actions or words? The actions are going to nullify what you say. We were out in the woods with these guys golfing. Three or four of them uh, you know, are not uh, yet Christians. Or maybe they are and they're just not involved or, or whatever. And, uh, and so you know, we're, we're getting to pray with these guys over every meal. We, you know, something happened in one of the dude's lives and we just got to pray on a tee box you know, for some situations that were going on. In there. I mean, it was great. So we're, and I got introduced the first day you know, to all these dudes I hadn't met yet as pastor. right? So they know that I'm, I'm the pastor of you know, Don's church and... Which is fine. I am. Did you know? I'm, I'm your pastor. So, uh, but, but, but now, I just, and all of us should feel this, that when people know that we're Christians, just know they're looking at you. And, and just so we're clear, golf is a very frustrating game. It's maddening. I'm not very good. And I'm very competitive. I hate losing. And God has taught me how to lose better. I was the kid who lost games, uh, you know, in, in, in younger years. I would throw hockey sticks. I would, I would trash the entire playing field. I would need 15 minutes to calm down. I was that kid. And by God's grace, he's, he's helped me not do that. Now, I, I will admit that I vigorously dropped a club. Uh, I dropped it about 20 yards in front of me. But I did that mostly so that I didn't say the words that were in my head. I decided to exert my energy in a more productive way, right? But here's what I'm thinking the whole time, and I don't know if they're watching online, or, but, but, but buddies, friends that I golf with this week, you need Jesus. I love you guys, and I want you to know who Jesus is, and I want us, me, my friends who are with you, to be an example of how to follow Jesus Christ. We're normal guys. We struggle with the same things, but I want my walk to match my talk so that Jesus can win in the hearts of men. Are you with me? So may God grant us the grace to do all of these things. I'm out of time. Let me pray. Lord, thanks for your word. Use it in our lives. Would you lead us, God, to honor you in these things? Keep us wary of what's not on the rails. Help us to watch out for wrong messages, for teachers with wrong motives. Keep us, God, aware uh, of of those who are living uh, lives that say one thing and saying things that say another. And and then help us to be, as as leaders in people's lives, in our homes, with our kids, in, in the relationships that we have, Help us to be people who have sound doctrine, who are doing things for the right reasons. Help us to be Christians, God, 
whose words match up with what we, what we do and how we live. And may you win in the hearts of men because we have submitted to you in these things. By your grace and in the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen. God bless you as you go. If you want to pray, I'll be over here in the corner. Have a great day.